Hello and welcome back to Beyond Survival, the new teacher podcast. My name is Jamie Tom. Thank you so much for being with me. And um, today is this week's episode of Teacher Talks, where I explore some aspect of being a teacher or being in a classroom in 15 minutes or less. And in this talk today, I want to share a little section of a, a workshop I'm running this week in London, which is about teacher well-being as part of a conference. And a strand of that workshop that I'll be talking about is teacher self-compassion. Now, I'm imagining and I'm guessing, probably even when you clicked on this, there was a moment of hesitation or a moment of, I guess, reflection about whether or not you wanted to invest 15 minutes of your life listening to this notion of self-compassion for teachers. Because inevitably it comes with its stereotypes. And I'd like to explore that by reflecting a little bit on the notion of compassion, first of all, and the word compassion. And what I'll maybe ask you to do is just spend five seconds, and I'll leave a little bit of space running through this. What are the words that you associate with compassion that are positive? So I'll repeat that question. What are the words that you associate with compassion that are positive? Okay, thank you for engaging with that. So I'm guessing you probably thought about some of the following. I'm guessing you probably had kindness in there, you had generosity, you had care, you had patience, and you had empathy. Now for me, and I'll come back to this a little bit later, is they are absolute cornerstone qualities of wonderful teachers and wonderful educators. Now I'll ask you to do the same task, but this time, what I'd like you to do, if you don't mind, is just reflect on what are the negatives you associate with the word compassion. Are there any words that come up for you when I say the word compassion that are more negative? Okay, so I'm not going to try and be a mind reader here, but here are some words that I think potentially could come up could come up with this notion of being sentimental, overly sentimental, the notion of being soft, the notion of an indulgence, the notion of some kind of weakness. And certainly if you'd spoken to me 10 years ago or even sooner than that and said to me the concept of self-compassion, I would have been really, really sceptical. So what is the actual definition of compassion? And for this, I'd like to take the work of Chris Irons and Elaine Beaumont, who run uh, lots of brilliant work on compassionate mind training. And they do lots and lots of amazing work. You can access their resources. They've got a brilliant book called The Compassionate Mind Workbook. And they refer to it as a sensitivity to the suffering of self and others and its causes with a commitment to relieve and prevent it. So just for the sake of clarity, I'll repeat that once more. A sensitivity to the suffering of self and others and its causes with a commitment to relieve and prevent it. 
So lots of different roles can come to mind that we think might apply that notion of compassion. And for me, and I guess fit, fitting in with that concept is the notion of a firefighter or the notion of a nurse or a doctor working really, really hard. If we consider the pandemic as an example, working really, really hard to alleviate the suffering of others and a real commitment to prevent that. That for me is what compassion is. And if we think of those two examples, a firefighter or a nurse or a doctor, it helps for me to strip away some of this idea of it being something weak or something soft or something sentimental. And I think for teachers, compassion is remarkably important. And it's not a soft compassion. It's a compassion that has really high expectations of what young people can achieve. But without those wonderful qualities we mentioned at the start, you associate with compassion. I think we're going to struggle in the classroom. And that leads us to self-compassion. And it's something I've, I've been thinking about a lot over the past couple of months. And I'll be transparent here, not in the, not in the, not in the guise of oversharing, but I guess over the, over the last couple of months, I was working my way towards December. There's been a big break in this podcast between December and January. And that partly was because I was really struggling at the end of the year to manage a few different aspects of my life. I've got two small kids under five. I was juggling working, teaching one day a week with running an English PGDE and just a couple of other general things I've been really open about on this podcast about, I guess, struggling with aspects of my, my own anxiety levels and things. Um, and what was happening was I'd completely overloaded myself. I had far too many things on the go. And that voice of self-compassion was something I was really struggling with particularly with the idea that I'd really sort of fought to go back into teaching one day a week. But I was really struggling with that because I couldn't balance that with my other responsibilities. So I had to really look at myself through the lens of self-compassion. I'll explain how I, do that, how I did that in a second. And I had to take practical steps to simplify what I was doing. And that came from two strands, taking a little break from running this podcast, and also stopping at Christmas, teaching one day a week. And that was a decision that I really didn't take lightly and I, I struggled with. But I recognized that for the kind of holistic experience for myself, that was something I had to do. So, as I say, that voice of self-compassion was something I was working really quite hard on and can continue to do. So I guess for, for you as a listener, how do you take that notion of compassion, commitment to the suffering of others and self, and apply it to oneself? How can you look and act through the lens of self-compassion? The first thing I think is really important is as, in as far as possible trying to detach yourself a little bit and observe and listen to your inner narrative voice. And I think for us as educators, for teachers, we can be remarkably hard with ourselves. That happens partly because teaching is a job where there's no off switch. It's not a job where you just finish in the classroom and you go home. 
it's a continual process and it's really hard to detach ourselves from that. It also happens because I think of the, the really positive intentions as to why we get into teaching. We want to make a massive difference. We want to have a real positive impact on people. Kind of altruistic intentions at the core. And those two things can put a huge amount of pressure on ourselves. And often in our day job, we might be being beautifully compassionate to the young people in our classrooms. We might be offering them that kindness, that generosity, that empathy. But we might not be applying it to ourselves and how we reflect on the day. Are we reflecting on the negative more than the positive? Are we being patient? with ourselves. So that for me is the first step. Detach a little bit, watch and listen and reflect on how we're communicating internally with ourselves. The second is to appreciate that we are all really, really complex as human beings and we all make mistakes. Because teaching is such a richly interpersonal and complex craft, inevitably, we are going to have setbacks through the course of the day. We're going to do things where we can look back and think, oh my goodness, I really wish I hadn't spoken to that child in that way or my colleague in that way. Because we're moving at 100 miles an hour. We're doing things continually, having lots and lots and lots of micro interactions. And not only that, but our brain systems are really complex. How we evolve over generations has given us some real habitual ways of being. The negativity bias, for example, is one. That means that we fundamentally focus on the negatives rather than the positives of our days. We're much more attuned to them. So actually recognizing that what's happening in our own internal minds is complex. There's one way to apply that self-compassion to ourselves. For me, recently, the, when I got to the end of the year, I knew because it was, I guess, having a heightened sense of anxiety that I was filtering things and I wasn't looking at the wider perspective. And that's partly a, a brain chemistry thing. When we're feeling anxious, we think smaller rather than thinking bigger. So, what are the practical final steps we can do? So the first, observe your inner narrator. Try to take out that judgment in the way we communicate with ourselves. The second, recognize that we're complex human beings. Our brains are complex. We all make mistakes. It's part of evolution. It's part of growing. It's part of developing. The third, and there's various different things about this. Christian Neff has some wonderful stuff about self-compassion. And she uses this phrase about Become your own friend. Communicate to yourself like you would do with a friend. And that makes a lot of sense to me, but I prefer to look as it, I prefer to, excuse me, I prefer to refer to it as become your own inner coach. So when you work with a coach, a coach will listen, will be on your side, will hold you in unconditional positive regard. But a coach will also ask you questions to help you challenge yourself, 
And a good friend does this as well. But for me, that language is important because self-compassion isn't just about, you know, go and have a bath or do yoga for four hours. It's about recognizing that we're, we're, we're all kind of moving forward. We're all learning. We're all growing. So that inner coach will recognize that we might have made a mistake. We'll think about the ways in which we could have done things differently. But it won't apply that really harsh internal narrative voice, which is fundamentally unhelpful. If we refer to ourselves, if we think, oh, you're Jimmy, you are such an idiot. I can't believe that you spent 13 minutes on that podcast rambling on about compassion without any any kind of thread or consistency running through it. That's not going to help me. That makes me just feel rubbish fundamentally. But if I look at this afterwards and I apply that kind of inner coach model and I think, okay, what are some things I might have done well there that were effective? But what are some things I can learn from that that I can move forward with in that patient, in that kind way? My defense mechanisms are much less likely to go up and I'm much more likely to learn from the experience. So I guess fundamentally that inner coach will celebrate us, but it'll also help us to challenge ourselves moving forward. Now, as I say, this is really a process for me. So I hope I'm not kind of trying to come across as some kind of expert with this. Something I struggle with, something I try to apply, and something I find challenging. But I hope some of these strategies have been helpful to reflect on. And I guess the important thing is what happens next if you apply some of this self-compassionate thinking? I think a few things. I think you become more present for yourself and for others. I think you become more caring and kinder. And you want that to be kind of the guiding principle of how you behave with others. Because if you can be more positive towards yourself, you're much more likely to be more positive towards other people. So thank you so much for listening. I guess one of the things I'm acknowledging in this talk is that hopefully I've made the space to focus much more on this podcast now. So it should be back to a, a weekly interview and a weekly talk. But I'll apply, I'll apply those self-compassion lenses on that. Some weeks that won't happen, but I'm hoping to be much more consistent with it. And I'm hoping that that can be useful for teachers. Um, one of the other steps I've taken is think carefully about what serves me. One of them that doesn't is social media. So I've come off it and that's just an entirely personal thing. Uh, but it does mean that I don't have the the kind of the audience really to pass this on on a social media platform. So what I'm really relying on is the generosity of listeners to pass this on, to share it, if you find it useful, to subscribe to it. And, and I guess fundamentally, I want to keep up that message of spreading this so it's helpful for as many people as possible. So thank you so much for your time, and I hope you really enjoyed the rest of the week. Um, I hope it's a self-compassion week in which you can be kind to yourself, and I look forward to speaking with you next week. Thank you.